Church, one of the most beautiful things about Jesus is that he accepts everyone. And actually, he wants all different sorts of people with all different sorts of gifts and skills and talents and backgrounds. And uh, he uses each of us to the, the best of our potential, but in different ways. And I'd like to focus on one particular person who Jesus, one of his disciples, actually the very first disciple that Jesus bumps into, uh, who he used in just a beautiful, humble connecting sort of way. Now, this disciple doesn't uh, get the most credit in Scripture. He doesn't rise to the most prominence. Actually, he ends up introducing others to Jesus who seem to overshadow him. And yet, you see in this disciple a wonderful humility that even if those he brings to Jesus end up outshining him, that uh, he still is just joyfully and faithfully serving the Lord according to his gifts. As we've been looking at what it looks like to apprentice ourselves to Jesus, I thought maybe we'd start this new year off by looking at a few of the very first apprentices of Jesus and trying to learn from them. How did the first disciples do apprenticeship? And, and if we look at enough of them, we're going to recognize they were all really different. And I hope that that's inspiring to us. And so for those of us who today uh, look at Andrew and feel like, I see myself in Andrew. I'm that sort of apprentice to Jesus. I hope he can be an inspiration and instructive the way he walked with Jesus for us. But uh, a lot of the things he did are, are things we're all called to do. So whether we identify with him perfectly or not, I know we can learn from him. So what I'd like to do this time for this conversation is just read the, there's like five or six short passages in the Bible about Andrew. He doesn't get a lot of uh, airtime in all the Gospels, but each time he shows up, it's in a very important role, and very similar role, almost every time that we're going to see. And uh, like I mentioned before, it's in a connecting kind of role. Andrew might not have been the, the most famous speaker or the uh, most famous of all the apostles, the most prominent, uh, but he was the one who introduced people to Jesus. He was the glue. He was the invitation. He was the open door. He was the one that spoke to people and said, you need to meet this Jesus. And then when they did, their lives were changed. And so he plays the role of middleman. He, he does introductions. And uh, what a beautiful role that would be for all of us to be able to play. Maybe you've had that opportunity. Maybe you're a parent and you've had the opportunity to be the connector between your children and Jesus. Maybe you've told them about Jesus and how much he loved the world so he died, he gave his life. You've played the role of Andrew with your children. Uh, maybe you're doing that with your siblings. You know, you've come to faith, but your brother or your sister, they're not sure what they think about Jesus. You, you have an opportunity there to stand kind of between two worlds. You're following Jesus. You're not living in your old world anymore, but you get that world. You lived there once. You may come from that world. It's your people. You understand it. You, you talk the language. You are known. There's no one in a better space than you to speak to that world and say, hey, look what I've found. Why don't you come check Jesus out with me? Follow him with me. You won't be disappointed. In fact, you'll be amazed at what you see. Um, in a way, Andrew kind of follows the lead of his first um, mentor, 
His first teacher was John the Baptist. Andrew was first a disciple of John the Baptist. And if you remember, John said, you know, I'm waiting for the one who will come after me, paving the way. And then when he meets Jesus, he said, I must, John the Baptist says, I must become less so Jesus may become more. Andrew learned that at the feet of John, John the Baptist. And, and he did that. He introduced his brother, Simon, who became Simon Peter, to Jesus. And Peter rises to such prominence. And so he, he connects Peter, Simon, to Jesus, and then steps back in a way he becomes less and Peter becomes more. But a lot of times we feel disappointed because we feel like, oh, I'm not as gifted as this person. I don't have a prominent role. I could never preach a sermon like this pastor, or I could never go on a foreign mission field, or I could never talk openly a witness about the Bible. I don't know enough. I'm not good with my words. And, and we idolize others and their gifts instead of recognizing the mere role of introduction. The mere role of connecting is the most powerful and beautiful role, and all of us can do that. And now some people may be like Andrew, where they're just particularly gifted at it, and I hope he'll be inspiring to you for sure. Maybe a mentor for you, as he learned from John the Baptist and Jesus, maybe we can learn from him. But um, may we all be so blessed to step back at the end of our lives and have the Bible, you know, the pages of our life written and say, look at the role we played. And when the people that we connected to Jesus overshadowed us eventually in their success. We didn't become bitter or resentful or wonder why not me. We were just so grateful that we could play a role in their lives and their walk. Andrew is a really special, special person and uh, a role model for us in many ways. So I'd like to just simply read the scriptures as they speak about him and uh, then just take a minute or two and reflect on it and encourage you to uh, put into practice the things we can learn from this one of these first apprentices to Jesus. So the place we're going to start is in John chapter 1. And this is John the Baptist speaking, and he's talking about the baptism of Jesus. And then it talks, you know, says the next day he turns to two of his disciples, and one of them is Andrew. So it's very possible that Andrew was at Jesus' baptism. He was following John the Baptist. We don't know if he was there that particular day or not. It doesn't say, but it says John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and then the next day sees him, points him out, and one of the two disciples of John the Baptist goes and starts following Jesus. This is what we'll, we'll, where we start our introduction to uh, Brother Andrew. John chapter 1. Uh, let's start with verse 34. John the Baptist says, I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. Talking about Jesus' baptism. Now verse 35, it says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon the son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, which is a Greek name, uh, which means rock. We know later that Jesus was foreshadowing Peter being the rock of his church. He doesn't elaborate now. He just calls him and gives him this name, this nickname, this uh, statement of Peter's identity. 
verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go on to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And then Philip, in verse 45, found Nathanael and said to him, We have found of him whom Moses said in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael was skeptical, but eventually Jesus speaks to him and brings him in. But do you see the connection that's going on here? You know, Andrew goes and talks to Peter, and Peter comes and talks to Jesus, and Jesus says, Yes, you're mine. And then Andrew goes and talks to Philip. And then Philip comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, yes, you're mine. But then Philip goes and talks to Nathaniel. They're playing this role of connector, like, come and see who we've found. This one who we think is the one, Jesus. What a beautiful role for Andrew to have. If there was no Andrew, there would be no Peter. If there was no Andrew, there'd be no Philip. If there's no Philip, there'd be no Nathaniel. And yet, as we move on, Philip and Peter have these prominent roles and do amazing things. Um, But Andrew just has small parts. He's like specifically gifted at identifying the people who really know they need Jesus and making the introductions. Maybe that's like you. So let's move over to the Gospel of Mark now. Mark has a couple of places where this introduction is mentioned. So Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 13, kind of wraps up Jesus' time in the wilderness. Remember, he's baptized, then he goes into the wilderness, and then he comes out, and Andrew's introduced in Mark's Gospel. So um, Mark 1.13, Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So Mark knows about the part of the story where they were fishermen and Jesus called him. And when John is recounting the story, he knows the part of the story through talking to Andrew and Simon, Peter, and Jesus of the part where Andrew was following John the Baptist and did the introduction. So whether, uh, we don't know which one came first. We don't know if Jesus was walking along the sea and said, follow me. And then later on, they talked to John the Baptist and like confirmed it and then went. Or whether John the Baptist's encounter first, um, by the way, these are two separate encounters and as Mark and as uh, John are trying to retell the story they're telling different facets Um, and in this way these two fishermen and many of their friends from that area are called and they follow Jesus and the the beginning of the 12 disciples is happening right before our eyes right from the start they were among the very first so verse 16 um, let me say one more time. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So there's, there's a final leaving at this point of their trade. But there's also Jesus saying, Do you know what you are good at? You are good at bringing in the catch. I'm going to use your skills. You'll be doing what you've done, but it will be for spiritual purposes of building the kingdom, not physical fish anymore. And in a way, that's what Andrew does, right? 
And later on, Peter, doesn't he go to, to Cornelius and, and there's all this bringing in of the Gentiles, the, the Greeks and the, the non-Jews into the Jewish Messiah? Well, they have this pivotal role and they do. They, they're fishers of men. They play that beautiful role of connecting. So in Mark 1.25 then, there's another encounter where they, they interact at their home. You know, Simon and Andrew's home, and Jesus is there, and we see how the interplay happens. So again, just watch Andrew at work, and watch his relationship to Jesus and to the people around him. So uh, Mark 1, will start in verse 28. All at once, Jesus' fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue, and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. Now that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I might preach there also. For this is why I came. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Now, do you remember... um, Jesus' first miracle, right? It says that he went and turned water into wine and he was there with Mary and he was there with his first disciples. It's very possible that Andrew was there with Jesus at his very first miracle. And if you start to put together these events that Andrew's a part of, you realize what a special place he had in God's purposes, in, in the big picture. He was there with John the Baptist, most likely at Jesus' baptism. He was the first one who started following, beginning the disciples as a group of 12, and then more. He's the one who introduced Peter. He was there to see Jesus' first miracle. Jesus loving his mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law in in their home, and caring for them as a family. Uh, this This was family. And his apprenticeship wasn't just a master to a student. It was him experiencing and witnessing all of these amazing things that happened and then telling people about it, him being the door for people to meet Jesus. Let's continue on. Let's continue on. Now in John chapter 6, we can pick up again uh, with verse 1. John writes, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing with the sick. Now, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Philip, uh, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not be enough, would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. So Jesus, in this teaching moment, looks at Philip and says, How are we going to feed all these people? He's anticipating this wonderful miracle. And what Philip can see is the need and the lack of funds. You know, he sees the very real practical matter, and that's his response. But Andrew sees something more. Andrew's the connector. 
he sees an opportunity. And in Andrew's story, his faith goes up and his faith goes down. You know, he was among those that, that fled from the cross as well, and that, but then he's back again afterwards. So, like, he's not this always steady, always perfect, but in this moment, he sees an opportunity. He doesn't know how it'll work out. But see what he says in this situation. Verse 8, John 6, 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Like, there's something here, but I, I don't know what you can do with it, but I see an opportunity. Can I connect this boy and his loaves and fishes to this Jesus? Jesus, can you use this? Son, can you come forward and bring your gift to Jesus? Andrew is the connector. He sees the opportunity and he puts the two together. Jesus takes it from there. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated and so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Now perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let's continue on again in the Gospel of John. Now we're in chapter 12, verse 17. Uh, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and then a crowd started following him. Remember, the, the triumphal entry was that crowd who had seen this miracle, or wondering what Jesus is going to do next. In this crowded place with Jesus and his 12 disciples close to him, but mobs of people who are about to turn on him just days later and crucify him. He has his closest people with him, but even in the midst of all of that confusion and celebration and joy and fear and unknown, Andrew plays the role of connector. And we see it again. He's the perfect person in the perfect place to connect these people to Jesus. Here at this small little moment in the crowds, John 12, 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Now, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done the sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you're gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So do you hear what these Greeks from the crowd said to Philip and Andrew? They said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. They were not disciples. They were not apprentices. But they didn't go right to Jesus. They went to these men. Now, there's a clue in um, Andrew's own name that I didn't realize even upon digging into, until I dug deeper into Scripture, to find out, and commentaries pointed out, that the name Andrew is a Greek name. It's a Greek name. It's not a Hebrew name. You know, the etymology of Andrew is Greek. 
So if you think about the family where Simon, which is a Hebrew name, Simon Peter, and Andrew, which is a Greek name, grew up, you recognize that the parents were most likely Hellenized Jews. They were a Jewish family that was kind of like integrated into the Greek culture. There were Jews living in the Greek culture and, and they overlapped. They were not so strictly Orthodox Jew that all their children only had Hebrew names. But they were not so secularized into Greek culture that they didn't have any Hebrew names. They have two sons that we know of, and they, they had a Hebrew name and a Greek name. So it's very interesting that in this setting where the whole world, quote-unquote, is coming after Jesus, these people identify a couple of Greek-named, Greek-speaking uh Greek acclimated, people who grew up in the Greek culture who are following Jesus and say, I, I get you. You're following Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. Can you do an introduction for us? Now, when we call, when, when Jesus calls us to follow him, we're to leave our old world behind. We're not to say, I'm a part of this and that. But where we grew up is where we have ties. It's where we have roots. It's where we understand that culture. There's no one in a better position than a Jewish boy who grew up embedded in Greek culture with his Greek name to say, oh, there are some Greeks here, whether they're Jewish or not, they're just Greek citizens who want to find Jesus. That's me. I came from that world and I found Jesus. L let me do the introductions for you. And so he goes to Jesus and Philip with him, the two, the two friends from their hometown together bringing these Greeks among the crowd. Now, a lot of the crowd was just wanting to see miracles. A lot of the crowd was wanting a king. A lot of the crowd was just hating Rome and hoping that Jesus would do something about it. But not Philip and Andrew. They loved Jesus. They had given up everything to follow him. And so they were truly his apprentices. And so they were the ones that people came to and said, you, you get it. You understand something. Will you please just make the introduction? And for us, we have that same opportunity. We can make the introduction to the people that we grew up with, to the people that we work with, to the places where we go for our hobbies and spend our time, to the ways we socialize. We understand those cultures. We've been in them. We've been embedded. We can speak to them. We're not of them anymore. We're something different. We're followers of Jesus. But be the bridge that helps others cross over to Christ. Do the introductions. Be a connector like Andrew, and then like Philip, and then like Nathaniel, and then like these Greeks, so that others might be able to find the Master, find Jesus, and make their way out of the world into his kingdom, just like he's called us. One more passage, one final passage I'll read. It's from Acts chapter 1. We'll start in verse 10. This is just after the ascension. So Andrew is there when Jesus ascended. We know that not a lot of people stayed with him uh, during the, um, the, the time at the cross. So, you know, Andrew most likely fled as well. It said they all fled. But here he is at the ascension. So he came back and then he waited and he was with them in the upper room praying. We're going to see that right now. So put ourselves in this setting where you have had Andrew playing connector and then, and then seeming failure and then seeing a resurrected Christ and then watching him ascend. Think of all the things that Andrew witnessed from the first miracle all the way to the ascension and then to the giving of the Holy Spirit. Andrew, just a special place and he doesn't look for a prominence. He just plays a humble, beautiful part through it all. So this final uh, place where he's mentioned in scriptures, Acts chapter 1, we'll start in verse 10. It says, while they, meaning all the disciples there, were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, right? The fishermen, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Now Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All of these were with one accord devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. All right, Philip's still there. Andrew is still there. Mary, Jesus' mother, is still there. These are precisely the people that would have fled and disbanded if they hadn't actually seen Jesus resurrected. And they waited in that room. And then later on in Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes and sends them out in power. And they start teaching and prophesying to all these people who are there for the feast and the festival. And then those people go back to their home towns. We see later on, Philip is called by God to go up alongside a chariot where an Ethiopian eunuch is reading the scriptures. And he introduces him to Christ and he's baptized. And then Philip moves on. And, and Andrew, church history has it that he helped plant churches in, in the whole Mediterranean area. And um, church tradition has it also that at some point later he was crucified just like Jesus was crucified. So we know that he was active. We know that he was there from the beginning all the way to the end. We, we believe in, and see that he gave his life for Jesus. So he didn't fail halfway. He just followed. And it wasn't just for him. He didn't just follow Jesus and say, wow, I'm in. This is great. He was a connector. He identified, he had eyes to see the boy with the loaves and the fishes. He, he was there to hear the voice from heaven at the baptism of Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's there later on when, when God speaks to the crowd and they said, we heard thunder and the disciples are there. Like, Andrew was blessed to just be with Jesus, but he didn't take it for granted and he didn't stop there. He introduced, he connected he was the glue. He magnetically drew people to Jesus. And then he just let them pursue their relationship with Christ. And when they even exceeded his own influence and, and popularity and fame, he just continued being Andrew. So I challenge us all to be Andrew this week and this year. And if God naturally uses you to be a connector, then uh, study Andrew's life and his connection with Jesus and see how God used him and be inspired by what God might do through you. But even if this is not where your giftings lie or what's the easiest for you, all of us come from some place, our hometown, you know, our Bethsaida, come from our jobs, our, our work background, our, our fishing nets. We all have our childhood friends, our Phillips. You know, we all have our siblings, our Peters, and our friends, our Nathaniels. We all have our mother-in-laws, our connections. We all have our cultural upbringings. And this is the place where Jesus connects through us to the world and says, come and follow me. So I just encourage all of us, don't waste the heritage and the roots that we've grown up from. And even though we've cut ties in a way from our old lives, we don't identify with that. We're followers of Christ now. Don't waste the opportunity to speak into those worlds, to all those people who we get. All those people that we used to go out for drinks with on Friday nights at the bar, we get them. We understand them in a way that others can't. 
be an Andrew to them. Be an Andrew to your in-laws. Be an Andrew to your childhood, you know, your high school friends, your college friends. Be an Andrew to the people that you bump into in the crowds, like those Greeks who spotted something that they identified. And when people see us, may they identify us with Christ and may they come to us and say, please, we wish to see Jesus. So God bless you and may we all be Andrews and connect the world to Christ in powerful ways this week and this year. God bless you, church.